You're tuned into Toby Talks, special edition, amplifying the voices of patients in the healthcare sector with Keiston Monkhouse, the patient orator. There are plenty of times in the healthcare sector where we can get so caught up in just our everyday task and our everyday of delivery of care that we tend to lose that human factor of what we do. We tend to lose that empathy on the care that we give. It becomes like clockwork, especially to nurses out there that are constantly having to deal with being drained and being short of staffing and and putting on more than they even intended to give when they came into the nursing field. I had an amazing conversation today with our guest, Keiston Monkhouse, who is the creator of Patient Orator, who truly gives the voices to patients and civilians and, and people sharing their healthcare experience. And it's not like the typical CAPS experience that we all do in the hospitals, you know, to get the feedback of patients, but truly a transparent visual of the patients giving their true feedback on what it's like to receive the care that they're given in the healthcare sector. And it's remarkable the kind of changes we can we can impact in healthcare once we take a moment to listen to each other and truly hear the stories being shared on care. I'm really getting too deep already, so let's go ahead and hop into this conversation. And I want to go ahead and just hop into this conversation. I want you to tell me, how did you even stumble into healthcare and what are you currently doing now? I fell in love with healthcare a number of years ago. I, I used to be a nurse in a home health aide. Mm-hmm. Um, and through bringing my patient to um, her doctor's visits and just helping to rehabilitate her to um, good health, um, I fell in love with the profession. Um, and so from there, I wanted more and I decided to become a certified nursing assistant. Um, and in that role, there were a lot of things that I learned about the healthcare industry, about patient experience, about uh, the profession of uh, nursing and um, other healthcare professions. And it just uh, made me fall in love more and more and to a point where I decided to uh, start my own company, um, which is called Patient Orator. And Patient Orator is the home for patient voices and healthcare stories. Wow. First of all, I want to say thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being a certified uh, nurse assistant. You have no idea how you guys impact the patients, but you also help us so much. People just don't understand. Like it, it takes a team to bring a patient back to health. So I appreciate you for even like, you know, going into that aspect of healthcare and being that advocate for patients and that support system for us nurses, because it, it's truly, it's truly a hard job alone. But when you have like a sidekick, when you got a team partner, like a certified, um, a uh, nurse assistant, you can really do so much more for your patients. So I want to say thank you for that, girl, because uh, that's a big deal. Okay. Thank but, you. Thank you. No, thank you for what you guys do. It's, it's incredible. And I think anyone who's on the care team is um, tremendously uh, impactful in that patient journey and, and also in the healthcare uh, or the frontline uh, staff and their experience too. Exactly. Thank you and everyone else. Oh, thank you, Kara. Thank you, Kara. But what I really want to do is hop into Patient Orator. Like you said, that's a business that started off just from your experience um, and what you did as a a nurse aide. So tell me more about Patient Orator and how is that impacting healthcare? 
So patient orator um, started uh, somewhat uh, as a grassroots movement to elevate and amplify the voices of patients, citizens, mm. and everyone at, on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw when I was in the industry um, and, and I, that when I was at bedside was that there was a lack of dialogue uh, between um, different folks in the industry. So you have the the patient advocates who are advocating for their rights, um, but then the on the other end you ha- also have healthcare staff um, who have barriers and concerns about um, their work experience and, and their mm-hmm. work environment. But I feel I felt that those voices weren't being heard, and, and those are some of the conversations that needed to be had. Um, so I wanted to have some of those conversations that I, that I was having at bedside. Um, and one of the things to know about me is that I absolutely love people. Um, mm-hmm. And I noticed a trend really um, when I was at bedside of the patient experience being much broader than just the hospital setting or whatever the care delivery setting was, that there was so much happening um, on a social economic um, background or a social economic uh, influence um, that would impact the patient's uh, overall health and well-being. And those were things that were not being captured because if you think about it, a nurse comes into a into a room, their job really is to administer care. Um, and they are limited in um, the amount of time that they can spend with that patient. So is that doctor. But as the nurse and assistant, I was the one that was having the most face time. And people will begin telling me their stories about not having support systems at home after they've mm. been discharged. And I started seeing this trend too where a patient would be discharged only to be readmitted back into the hospital setting a week later. Um, and I felt like there needed to be more attention being brought to these issues. And so I, I started Patient Orator, and the goal was to really amplify all voices um, so that we can begin to talk more and we could co- uh, collaborate more um, and just have more empathy. And the end goal is to humanize medicine and healthcare. Wow. So... This is quite interesting um, because I think, not even think, what you're saying is 100% correct. A lot of times we don't look outside just the patient being treated in the hospital, but are they able to continue this care that we're giving them outside the hospital? What is their environment like? What is their living situation like? Um, What is their economic situation like? You know, there's so many factors that plays a role in patients' care holistically, not just when we see them as nurses, not just when, you know, we're providing them care, um, like you said. So how were you able to now have these conversations and bridge technology into that? Like, what are you doing to have these conversations? Are they on a podcast? Are they on a video? Like, how are you, how are you moving forward to amplify their voices? Yeah, so um, the way in which I capture stories is through video. Um, and uh, the goal really, like I said, is to humanize um, healthcare. Um, I travel from state to state and I have these conversations with civilians um, and I also meet with patient advocates and um, I talk to them about what their pain points have been um, within healthcare settings and in society too because one of the things I saw lacking was a conversation uh, on a societal level about how we can have more empathy for example um, and how we can uh, destigmatize a disease and illness um, and so those are some of the conversations that I have and I capture and people are very open and they share their experiences. They share about 
times that they've been stigmatized and what growing up with illness has been, especially if they've been chronically ill. Um, and uh, those are some of the, the things that I do. But on a technology end, I would love to work more with those that are building technology to have some of these voices impact the way technology is being built. Because how I see it is that there's a disconnect between those that are building technology and those that are uh, using the technology that's being yes. built. So we can somehow bridge that gap. I think it'd be tremendously impactful to build meaningful technology that will impact health outcomes, that will impact patient experience, and that will impact uh, workflow. I am so glad you said that because I feel the same exact way um, in these new development and technology that's supposed to be helping healthcare. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of areas and, and um, where the ball is being dropped a little bit. Um, of course, for me being a nurse, I'm always like heavy on where are nurses in this conversation? You know, where are nurses when these... Um, these devices or systems are being built, you know, because we're right there next to the patients. The same thing as, you know, the caregivers, where are we in these discussions of technology? And not only that, is this technology going to be used for everyone? Because we're saying we want better health care for everyone, right? But some of these technology, you can only see them in like, you know, people who have money. What about the, um, the populations that, you know, are, having a harder time just even making it to their doctor's appointment. And then you want to give them this high technology of putting on a visual equipment that they probably cannot afford. Or, you know, a lot of them might not have smartphones, let alone learn how to use this new technology device to take care of themselves. So I think that's a really good um, point that you brought up with, you know, a lot of the technology that's coming about. Is it going to be useful and impactful for everyone? Or is it only for a certain population um, or a certain economics class, um, economic status? Uh, so those are really, really deep conversations, and I'm glad that you're even bringing your patient narrator, the voices of patients, to this kind of front and center of the conversation, because if no. we don't know... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, if we don't know what, you know, what their life is like outside of just a hospital visit or their care that they're giving, how can we make sure that they're not going to return back to the emergency room in 24 hours or in three days? How do we know that we are truly sending them home with all the supplies and information that they need to take care of themselves? You know, if we don't get to really hear their voices and everything is so time restricted, you know, if a nurse has about seven or eight patients, I'm pretty sure they're not going to have time like you do to sit down and hear a lot of the um, stories and, and um, things that the patient's going through that quickly share. Same thing with providers, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with basically everything you just said. Um, and so my background or my educational background is in uh the policy. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I, I have I've always had this love for looking at issue on a policy level, but also in that, in my love for people and talking to people is that I've been exposed to people from across the spectrum, um, social, economic um, status, that is. Um, and in my traveling, what I've realized or what I knew before, even from before in the mm -hmm. rhetoric of, of um, patient experience, um, Sometimes it comes across a bit classist mm. when we're speaking about technology and we're not realizing that tech, some folks don't have access to the internet. Period. Right? Yeah. So, 
they, and some folks don't have access to a mobile device, for example. So when we're speaking about technology and healthcare, we ha it's important that we um, differentiate that different class of people, a different race of people, based on where an individual is on that econo economic um, uh, spectrum, mm -hmm. that their their access might be limited um, to that technology that we're speaking of. Right. So someone in rural America who um, who makes um, less than 25K per year, for example, who has multiple illnesses, they might not have the same access as someone who is upper class or even mi up, up, upper middle class, that mm -hmm. is, um, to those technologies. Right. So when you say patient experience, well, what kind of patient experience and whose patient experience? And even if you look at um, healthcare in metropolitan areas or rural areas, and you look at the staff or the frontline workers, um, their experience is drastically different, right? So I spoke with uh, healthcare professionals um, in some areas. They have, like you just said, eight um, eight, eight patients on your caseload, whereas I've worked with folks in a nursing home, for example, um, a nurse who had to take care of over, well, to be exact and precise, um, 40 patients. Hmm. That's dramatically different, yeah. but no one's talking about that, right? So we really have to look at the differences uh, geographically and that the impact that that has on the patient experience. So from what you're doing and how you're amplifying patients' voices, what have you, what has been your outlook on healthcare as a whole? Like, what are you seeing that is not being heard or not being um, addressed from the different stories that you're hearing? So there's, there's two different, there's two different ends. I think I love the fact that folks are rallying around uh, the issues of social determinants of health. But I think it's important that we really look at the root causes of why some uh, certain demographics um, are lagging behind in terms of health outcomes. Um, and we really have to think of ways of how to precisely measure those issues. Um, and then in those measurements, make policies or take initiatives or create initi initiatives rather um, that will have the most impact on the lives of those people. So whether transportation is a barrier to um, access um, or it's economics, then we have to think about um, how, what, what can we do to um, improve access on that end. Um, the other thing is um, frontline workers and their work environment. Um, I really would love to see more of uh, rallying around those people, the people that are that are most intimately, um, be, the people that are most in, intimately um, impacted by the healthcare system itself, mm -hmm. right? So whether it's a nurse or a physician or any clinician period, um, or even a nurse assistant, um, we know what it's like uh, to have to manage time um, and have to be in those rooms and um, have to give the best care that we possibly can, but there are administrative barriers that prohibits um, excellent care delivery. Mm -hmm. so those are some of the things that I'd love to see um, being rallied around more, I think. And what are your hopes? Like, what do you see coming out of Patient Orator um, when you do get to capture all the different um, stories that you hear? What are you hoping to change? Is it in the healthcare system as a whole? Is it the administrative level? What are you help? What are you hoping to um, achieve from your platform? 
My goal is to really humanize healthcare. Um, there's a lot of rhetoric around change and advocacy and all of these other things, but if we can't look at people as people um, and provide them with the best medical care that they possibly can or provide the best experience for those at the front lines um, to provide those patients with, with optimal care, then we're just going around and around in a circle and we're going to have this existing problem where we continue to see inefficiencies, um, whether that be on the healthcare delivery end or it be um, poor health outcomes overall. Um, and I just really love to see equitable health. I'd love to see people, regardless of their class, their race, um, their economic status, uh, their gender, for example. I would love to see that everyone be given an equal opportunity to achieve optimal health. I really, um, I really like the fact that you said humanize healthcare. It's it's funny because uh, when you leave the bedside a little bit. Um, coming from you and coming from me, you know, me, I work in more an administrative aspect and also, you know, with the podcast and in technology and the same thing for you with your um, platform and, and being very, um, very consumed into the different uh, technology advances and stuff like that. It almost feels like healthcare is like a hundred percent of business and we have lost that human factor. Um, and I remember I was having this conversation with a friend of mine recently um, on some, you know, working in the healthcare sector and having to deal with like, you know, um, managed care organizations. And sometimes people feel like because you're in a managed care organizations or in a health plan, you're not that important towards the nurses or the healthcare uh, givers in the hospital, which isn't true. I mean, especially for patients who have to deal with calling the insurance, having to see where their prior authorization is and all that kind of stuff. And it's like you lose that human factor. You know what I mean? When you think about it, when you think how long someone who desperately needs their health care, whatever it is, if it's a DME or whatever they need approval for, imagine waiting so long to get some kind of authorization approval from the health care insurance. Imagine calling them, being on the phone for so long, having to be jumped to four or five different people, not hearing a response. People in the health plan and MCO, they have the same impact of patients getting their care just as a patient in the hospital. But we sometimes remove ourselves from that and we just think it's a business. It's a business. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, who cares? No, like <laughs> patients care. It's, it's, it's across the globe. It's not just when they're in the hospital. That's when it's important. That's when the humanized um, aspect comes into play. It's across the board. So I like that you brought that up, like bringing um, that human factor back into healthcare. So, one of the things that you don't that we haven't discussed before, um, and we met at him, so we spoke uh, quite a lot, but I didn't exactly share my entire story with you. Um, and on my first night as a nursing assistant um, in a nursing home, um, one of the things that I realized uh, was that there was a lack of empathy um, from caregivers. And from that night all the way up until I decided that I was going to start my own business, um, that trend continued where this lack of empathy was just prevalent around mm. those that are at the forefront or even administrate administrators. And it's why I started the whole movement of collecting these stories. Um, and what I'm learning is that, or what I've learned on that first night was that there was such, for me, it was, 
my my own morals and um, even witnessing abuse and not having the strength to speak up, that was a mm. conflict to me, right? Mm-hmm. It was a conflict for what I stood for as a human being and knowing that I was, an envir- I was in an environment where this was normalized. Mm. And I questioned on that first, after my shift, it was just, I couldn't believe what I had, what I had, what I had witnessed. Um, you know, they, these were people who were in this field for such a long time that they had became morally injured to the point where they themselves must not realize, or in my, I'm assuming that they must not realize how removed they are from that humanity part of given care. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why I started the whole movement of collecting stories. Um, and yeah. And so from witnessing abuse and not saying anything and, and, and trying to have these conversations with people and, and realizing that I was just thinking differently or maybe I was so fresh in the game that uh, I just or maybe I just thought differently to begin mm-hmm. with. And I just said, you know, I, well, I came into this because I, I love caring for people. Right. Um, and that's not what I was doing when I was given a caseload of 20 patients. I can't effectively give care to 20 people on an eight-hour shift. And I have yeah. to do things like uh, provide uh, vital signs, I mean, collect vital signs and, and monitor patients and, and, and activities of daily living, all of mm-hmm. these things. How do you realistically expect me to do those things um, with for over... 20 patients. Like, Imagine a nurse not having you and having to do that on top of charting, on top of pulling out medications, exactly. on top of making case plans. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is crazy. I wonder, do you ever, um, on your platform, do you get to even hear the perspective of the caregivers and hear their stories on how, you know, because I, I can't imagine that someone, you know, goes into nursing with the intent or goes into healthcare, the intent of hurting, you know, the intent of, you know, causing abuse. But do you ever wonder, like, what is their story? How did they get here? Like, what have we been doing wrong where now, uh, you go into a field with compassion and love and it's turned into like frustration and, you know, a change of your moral standard and practice. Do you ever get to hear inside stories of caregivers and, and what do they see um, in the outlook of, of healthcare? So, yes. Um, but I think even when I was in a nursing home or working in a nursing home, I was, I had, had I had began having these conversations with people um, and what what I found was that the administrative bottom line was cost savings, right? Mm. So when I'm when I am on my very first night uh, being not even having nighttime orientation, right? Um, being pushed onto a floor with 20 patients, and there's a nurse on there that has to overlook 40 patients, um, and they're not seeing that there has to be more staff to facilitate excellent uh, care delivery. Um, They're looking at it from a monetary standpoint, right? So if you're looking at care from a monetary standpoint, how can you possibly facilitate humans having the most optimal care that they possibly can? Mm. Right. So, and then, and then the other thing is that, um, when I've spoken to people, they've very clearly said that like no one cares, right? Um, and and that's that's where I noticed that it was normalized that this kind of behavior, where um, 
where frontline workers were, um, they were just in these unsafe environments because that's what it comes down to. Um, mm. That they were not being facilitated with the resources that they needed. Yeah. Um, some of those are just some of the things that I noticed in 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 in, in some of the conversations that I had and the experiences. I think, and then the other thing is, um, when I started working in the, the hospital setting, the the situations change or the climate change, where it wasn't more about abuse that I was witnessing. It was more so about the breakdown of patient experience in that patients were waiting for hours and hours, seven hours at time to be seen in, in an emergency room. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just wherever the setting is, there's unique barriers um, based on the setting. That's so true. Wow. You know, I kind of want to, um, change direction of this conversation because I am really at all about what you're doing and how you chose to, you know what, let me step back and actually let me make this my career of getting to capture stories from patients. Let me be that narrator who actually brings um, patients' voices alive. And I just happened to just you know, it was a blessing getting to meet you at Hems when I um, had the opportunity to go this year. And it was a blessing for many reasons. Um, one of the reasons is seeing another woman of color in such a big, enormous conference um, that surrounds healthcare and technology. Not only that, seeing another woman of color who have just built a business off of something that she's seeing, you know, building a platform to be able to advocate for patients. And I want to highlight and kind of talk about that and talk about the challenges of um, being a woman, being a millennial, being a woman of color, how that has impacted you in in doing your um, doing your platform and being able to bring this to light. So, what were some of the challenges that you faced, even just coming about, just wanting to do this? Like, did you have challenges of even getting people on camera? Um, did you have challenges of even like learning how to even do video or? Was that something you already had a skill in? Like, tell me more about the creative aspect of this and how and different challenges that you've seen while doing this. So I, I never looked at myself as being a creative person. And that's the irony of it all. Mm. Um, I, I just have always loved talking to people, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether that was in the hospital or wherever, I'm, I'm always meeting people and they're usually telling me things that I don't think they're telling to other people. Um, and that was something that I noticed uh, throughout my, my years of existence. Um, but more specifically, when I started this journey, I just wanted to have those conversations that I was having at bedside. Because like I, like I said before, um, a lot of times we don't focus on connecting on a human level with people. It's more so about, oh, that interaction, right? Um, or just it, it's more transactional than um, getting to know people on a deeper level. So I just said, you know, I'll just have these conversations. I'll go out into the streets and capture those stories. I just went out into the streets and started talking to people, explaining to them what I'm trying to do, which was humanizing healthcare um, by having them share their stories. People mm -hmm. were very forthcoming and they shared. Um, but in terms of being able to use a camera, I didn't know how to. I just hit start and everything else I figured out along the way. In terms of the business aspect, yes, there has been challenges when it comes to um, me not having the resources that I needed um, to effectively scale my business. 
Um, and that's a part of that is being a person of color who doesn't come from money. Um, and that's been one of the biggest challenges because I didn't have the network when I started, right? Mm-hmm. I was just someone who had a passion and I still do. I still do burn with a fire to do what I'm doing. Um, but when you don't have the resources in place, it becomes very challenging um, to to live your passion and be creative um, and, and, and move the needle in the way you'd like to move it. And so that, that's been my experience um, uh, from not knowing how to network um, or connecting with people or um, having the right connections within my circle. But what I've done was turn those challenges into opportunities and in my first year of business, I've had to learn all of those things along the way. So now I do know how to network. Um, and I have built a name for myself based on my creative passion, right? And based on my creative wanting to bring these stories to the forefront. And so that's, that's some of the things that I've been able to do um, and use as opportunities to learn along the way. But I, had I had the, the supportive system in place beforehand, I would have um, definitely achieved my goals uh, much faster. Wow, I like that. And, and that's true, 100% true. Um, it, it is more challenging um, when you don't have that support system. And it's more challenging when you don't have the resources, obviously. But when you have that passion and that drive, that's what helps you get to that next step of what you're trying to do. And I'm glad that you even shared that because I think a lot of people, um, especially who don't know where you started, you know, who don't know how you got to where you are now with your platform, being able to impact healthcare um, by amplifying the voices of patients and the experience in the healthcare. Um, when people don't see where you started from, they automatically assume that, oh, you know, she probably got money or, you know, she, you know, she got these skills, but it's, it's true. You had to learn all these. These were challenging. Um, same thing for me. I had no idea. Kid you not. Ask me a year ago. I had no idea what a podcast was. <laughs> what? I guess. Who does that? I don't know. So that was something I never knew, but I knew I had a passion. I knew I loved to talk and I knew I wanted to get, um, get information out there to several people who needed it. And I had to learn those skills. Um, the same thing you did. You had to learn those skills of recording and editing and videoing and, and, and even just being able to trust, have people trust you with their story. You know, being transparent isn't easy. You know, you're really, you know, you wonder like, is people going to come back for me? Is this going to, you know, be a bad thing? But people, for people to even trust you and telling you how they feel and being transparent, that took, I, that had to have taken some time, right? That had to have taken some, some really good conversation starting points with you to feel people feel trusted and, hey, I can, I can share my story. I'm, I can trust my story with this person because I know that she's going to take it and, and let it be amplified to a way that can bring the attention that's needed to people like me, right? Uh, yes. So like I said, I don't know if I said it before, but I, I recognize that I had a gift of talking to people um, and connecting with people. Um, and so when I interact, um, people are so receptive. Um, and I didn't realize that this was a gift of mine. I just, you know, whatever. Um, and w- once I realized that this was a gift that I needed to use, use it, um, to collect these stories, to harness conversation. It's, it's the same way I would interact with you, Toby, um, in meeting you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same way in going out into the streets and having a normal conversation with people. But as a society, we're so disconnected. 
Um, and I'm not even pointing fingers at anyone in, in particular. I'm just saying that sometimes we become so involved in our own world and in our own lives that we fail to recognize the other humans standing across from us. My personality traits are, hey, how are you? And my name is Kisti, nice to meet you. And because I have those traits, um, it's, it's just very natural for me to have those conversations. Um, I've just become much better at not being fearful to approach people mm-hmm. um, once I recognize that, hey, you, you got this, right? <laughs> um, that that uh, people, people are open and, and once once they know that, um, once you're open and clear about what it is that uh, you're trying to achieve, and so that's 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 how that's what I found to be uh, impactful in my work. So, do you find it challenging when people, um, when you're asking people permission to share their stories, are they very open with that? Um, you know, when because you, you come from a background of policies, does that ever get in the issue of like you know HIPAA compliance if you're doing it in the hospital or is this outside the hospital or healthcare sector? Like, how do you go about even being able to capture this without feeling like you're going to break any, you know, rules and regulations or anything like that? Do you know, it's so, it's so crazy. I, I, I don't think about things like that. Um, I, it's just so simple to me. And, and that's, so people are so blown away by the work that I'm doing. And they think it's so technical, but really it's just, it's so, it's as simple as saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. And um, I'd love for you to share what you're comfortable with sharing. And that's the key. Right, because then I'm not I'm not intruding on someone's personal business mm-hmm. um, or their health condition their health condition or anything else. So when I'm approaching someone and I'm saying like how can how can you use your voice to um, impact um, someone else's experience? Then they might they they will share what they're comfortable with sharing and knowing that other people might be experiencing the same thing. That's good. That's so good. And I'm glad that I asked you that question because I think people, when they want to do something creative like this, they can sometimes um, have get all those extra, head. yeah, get in their own head. Like, oh my gosh, am I going to do this? Can I do this? It, the same thing with podcasting. I'm not going out there just like signing off waivers left and right, but I am asking, you know, to share your story um, as yeah. comfortable as you want it to, you know, and you'd be surprised how comfortable people really are of just sharing their stories, just telling people honestly what they're going through or giving advice or empowering others. Um, so I have a question for you, though. How, sure. do you, how do you empower other women that you might see at conferences um, or at networking engagements to tap into their creative side, even though there might be an atmosphere where they don't see many that look like them? So I'm a very encouraging person and I love to encourage people in general. It doesn't have to be at a conference or networking event. Um, When I see someone doing something that's uh, creative or otherwise impactful to other people, I say it right then and there, like, listen, I love what you're doing. Um, I appreciate it because I know that it's going to be impactful for someone else. Please keep doing it. And um, as, as difficult as, as it may be, um, you're, you know, I recognize that what you're doing is, is, is important. Um, and even in meeting you, uh, one of the things I said was, like, I really appreciate you and your nurse just being you a nurse. Like people <laughs> so people don't even realize that it takes a lot to, 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 um, to be a nurse, right? So it's, it's just one of those things where you, you encourage others um, to be the best human beings that they possibly can, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or any any other any other um, 
barrier that we may see um, in, in other people. Just, hey, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Um, if I can be of support of any way, um, just let me know. Exactly why we're a part of the Pink Sox family. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we love just people being amazing, right? People just being amazing, yes. just being who you are to, to spread the love and just make the world a better place. And I think it's very important as well, because um, I'm not going to lie, I've been to a couple of conferences uh, so far and um there's times where I can count on one hand how many people look like me, how many people, um, and not just look like me, how many people are in the field that I am as a nurse, how many people um, are African-American, how many people are a millennial, you know? So it's like mm -hmm. you have all these barriers and you're wondering what can I do to even make our voices amplified in these kind of environments, you know? So I'm glad that you brought that up because I remember when I started, um, I had... I had this experience where um, I went to a networking event and I like, I was so, I got there so early that I was one of the only women in the room. And then I saw another woman and I was like, Oh, thank God. And then I saw another and that was great, but there were more than five women in that room. Mm -hmm. um, and what I did was I just sat in a corner by myself. So afraid to speak. And I said to myself, this is not you. This why are you so afraid to have a voice? Um, and that experience taught me the importance of not looking down on myself, that I am qualified and, and I, am, um, I am all of these things that are great and that I shouldn't just disqualify myself from, from an environment because there's no one that looks like me in that room. And so if I could give a message to anyone who um, may feel like they're the only of any type or kind in a room, have your voice be heard by not by showing up for yourself. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. I cannot say how many times I have, I've actually had someone ask me, how did you get in here? Like, I'm <sighs> like, uh, come again. I'm sorry. You got wow. the wrong one, <laughs> but yes, I've oh. had several people. I've had someone come up to me because, you know, when we are at these conferences, we have our, we have our, we have our technology with us. We have our mics, we have our cameras, we have all this. Um, and I've had someone come up to me and ask, who do I work for? What video, um, production company do I work for? And how can I get a copy of whatever you're recording? And I'm like, um, excuse me, sir. I am a nurse. Um, I am here representing myself and my platform. You know, like you have to make them come correct. Like, don't be confused. But those are some of the challenges you do face. Um, and it makes it really, really challenging, but I don't give up, you know, because if you don't, like you say, advocate, advocate for your own voice, how can you advocate for so many others that want to come through the same door you did, you know? Um, and yeah, it's challenging. I, lo I, lo I love that you said that. I love that you said that because it's, it's so important in me amplifying the voices of other people. I actually found my own voice. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up being very quiet and that was okay. It's, it was glorified to be shy um, and that was normal. Um, but the older I became, the more I realized I needed to have a voice. Um, and anyone who spoke with me knew I loved people and I knew I loved interacting with folks, but there is this other side of where I can be timid or um, feel like I'm not adequate enough, right? Um, and I've had to learn in this last year of entrepreneurship that that's, that's not okay. And I had to deep down dive into why it was that I was thinking the way I was and correct those things, uh, deal with those issues, face mm -hmm. the ugliness. 
Yeah. Right. Um, and once I did that work and I understood that I was this powerhouse and not to say that in an egotistical way. Right. Um, but what I mean is that um, if I can show up and, and be myself and not feel like I have to fit in, um, then I am opening the door for so many others. Exactly. Right? exactly. So that is my responsibility. It's, 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 it's being there um, and being impactful by, by speaking up and um, by showing and, 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 and stigmatizing so many things that people already um, may be uh, judgmental towards, mm-hmm. um, whether that be color or sex or whatever. Um, no, I am a human being and I am just as normal as you and I am educated and uh, I'm an entrepreneur and so many other things and add value in so many ways. Um, so yeah, that's that. So many ways, girl, yes. And and I encourage anyone who's actually listening to this to to understand that we, we know, <laughs> we've been there, me and you both have been there. Um, and the only way to continue whatever your creative passion is to amplify whatever you want to amplify, whether it be in the healthcare sector or outside of that, you have to just show up, you know, show up in your best self. Um, and I actually just started like recently, I was like, you know what, I'm already going to the conferences. I'm already the only black one or if probably five out of the only black one. Let me show up and show out and be loud. And I love like wearing my Nigerian um, attire. So I'll like, you know, wear some like really bright colors or whatever, because funny enough, that sparks conversation. You know, have people go, oh, where do you get those from? I got them from Nigeria. I have a wonderful (laughs) seamstress out there. What? Yeah. Let me tell you more about my country and all the wonderful opportunities we have out there. (laughs) You know, it sparks that conversation and it, and it really, um, have, it helps me amplify my voice because now I'm like confident and proud of where I'm from. And, and not only am I, you know, wearing our fashion, but I'm also here to talk to you about how nurses need to be amplified, how women need to be amplified, how women, you know, so it, it opens the door for so much more. So I encourage so many women out there, especially women of color, women from different diasporas, different backgrounds, um, to be your best self and don't be intimidated um, because I'm not going to lie to you, a lot of these networking engagements and a lot of these conferences that are massive can be really intimidating, but you have to choose not to be in that corner and just kind of sit back and watch, but you have to be willing to set up your own table and say, hey, go ahead, pull up a chair. You can sit at my table. You know, I don't need to sit at your table. You can sit at my table. Come on up. I have cookies. Yes. You know? <laughs> I, I, I so agree with you, Zoe. I so agree. I, I, think, um, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything you just said. Um, and so one of the, and one of the times when I've encountered, um, this, just, I, I don't know, just being afraid to speak up and whatnot, I had to coach myself and say, and say to myself, well, why are you here? Because you have this, this purpose and this passion and you want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, so use this as an opportunity to, to, to be that voice for those people that you're advocating for. And that has been, um, it, it has been effective in the past in, in helping me to voice, have a voice in rooms um, where I'd ordinarily been quiet or um, shy. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to a place now where it's natural and normal. I walk into a room, I'm not intimidated, I'm not afraid or ashamed. Like I'm, I'm on a mission and I'll complete that mission and, and I'll, I'll right. do all the things that I'm, I'm trying to achieve, right? Come on. But it's, 
Listen, it took practice and it took dedication and it took a lot of work to get to the space and place. Yeah, even now, I still do. I'm, let me tell you a secret. At Hems, it was my first time coming to Hems, girl. And I've been to other conferences, but Hems was like massive. Oh my God. And then the convention center was so big. And I remember within the first couple of hours, I was so overwhelmed with just like, there's so much going on and there's so much that I wanted to capture and there was just so much. And, you know, I just felt alone. I just, I had anxiety. I really did. And I had to literally go back into my car and I had to get myself together. I literally had to have a pep talk, like, girl, put on some black girl magic. You got this. You know why you're here. Get the information. Da, 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 da. Do what you got to do. Connect, network. You know why you're here. Remember, you know, you have so many other people behind you that need this information. Go back in there. Get what you need to get. Make some connections and do your thing. Get the lipstick off your teeth and get in there. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, all right. I got this. You know what I mean? But even in the midst of of everything that we do, we do have our moments where it's like we can have anxiety or we can get overwhelmed and that's okay. But go and check yourself, go remind yourself who you are, what you're here to do and how you're going to conquer your situation. And that's okay. I, and I'm, I love sharing that with people because I want people think like, oh, she perfect. She got, no, I still get butterflies when I have to speak in front of an audience of thousands of people, but I'm going to speak, you know, I'm going to talk myself through it. Um, and sometimes if we don't conquer that aspect, we can end up not fulfilling that passion desire that's going to help so many others. You know what I mean? I, I so agree and, and can relate to you on that, with that. Um, and I remember when I when I arrived at him, I was just like, wow, this is huge. But also on the other level, um, knowing where I started, I, I picked up a camera and I went out into the streets and I just started speaking with people about their experiences um, with no support system. Um, and then doing a lot of self-advocacy and reaching out to random strangers on the internet, many of whom I now know uh, much better, um, to get to him, to, to even be in, to be accepted as a member of the press. That was such a big win for me mm -hmm. because I took so many L's last year, right? Um, so many rejections. So to have been accepted, um, it just clarified and just reminded me to not give up, to continue the work that I'm doing. Um, and I needed a moment when I arrived to soak that all in because I don't think people realize how, how huge that is, mm -hmm. especially for someone who, do, who don't come from money, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 it's such a, it was such a moment for me. And, and I'm so grateful for everyone who has been supportive and who celebrated the fact that I'd, I'd been accepted as a member of the press um, and celebrated and congratulated and, and any kind of encouragement throughout my year, my, my last year, um, I'm so grateful for, for all of that. And I remember when we met, I, I, I said to you, like, how did you process this? Because I knew for me um, that it was just such a moment. And uh, I don't think anyone would ever understand what that moment was. But it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was they won't, <laughs> it was especially when you know where you started from, you know. Um, yes. And for me, that's, that's how I take every um, event, conference, whenever I get to come and impress, it's like, wow, you know. I'm, I've made it, you know, I've, I've gotten into the door. And for me, it's never, I always have that feeling of, yes, I got in so I can start paving the way for more people to get in. 
So for me, I feel like once I get in, it's like, yes, now I can leave the door open, get everybody in the back. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Like, that's how I feel. I feel like, yes, I can finally get some inside information because especially from a nursing standpoint, there's a lot of things that we don't know that's going on in healthcare, you know, besides what we're doing 24 seven at the bedside and then turn that around being an administration, being um, the forefront of healthcare and being involved in technology. I don't see a lot of women of color who are this proactive um, in you know, the technology aspect. And maybe there are more than I know of, but it's not, we're not amplified enough. You know, we don't, we don't see many of us out there. And I know that there's so many of us that have so many creative ideas and innovations that can help healthcare. And I want to make sure that, you know, I use my platform to amplify those voices as well, just like you. Um, So that's why I'm super excited that you came on the show. And as we start to wrap up our conversation, I really want you, if you could, to just share advice to anyone who's listening, anyone who is interested in just starting from nowhere, not knowing what they want to start with, not knowing how they're going to do it, but what advice could you give them to be able to find confidence, to tap into their creative mind and actually just start whatever they have, like being an advocate for patients like you are and using technology to amplify their voices. What advice would you give someone who truly is interested in what you're doing or interested in impacting healthcare in a way that they don't even know that they could? I think my advice would be um, applicable to anyone. Um, They don't have to be in healthcare. Um, And that is to listen to that inner voice. Um, For me, that inner voice started from a very young age. I always knew that I wanted to be someone who made an impact in society. I just didn't know that healthcare would be that impact um, or that, 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 that avenue. If you have a passion, you follow it um, and you do what you need to, um, to facilitate that passion. And once you do that, you'll find your way. And I'm not saying that it's easy. It's very difficult, but if you love something hard enough and you know within your inner guts (laughs) that this is something that you need to do, then you need to listen to that and you go with it. Um, Because if you don't, then you're stifled and you're creative. Um, And it's just, it might just be something that's needed to help drive society in a better direction. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast episode. There were so many gems dropped. But let's be honest, who got time to replay, pause, and write down all that information shared? Shoo, I know I don't. But don't worry, I got you. Download Toby Talks app on Google Play for nursing resources, definitions, and so much more that were mentioned on today's episode. Toby Talk app features show notes that timelines the conversation and lets you click directly to the resource or definition. And it even lets you bookmark the gem for later. Listen, we're too busy learning how to save lives or even saving lives as nurses to deal with a replay button. Toby Talk app is your one-stop shop for podcast episodes and show notes. For more on Toby Talks, like the blogs and videos, go to my website at www.tobytodge.com. And you know I love to hear from you guys, so feel free to slide into my DMs on IG or Facebook and hit me up through email. That's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Again, that's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Till next time, I'll be talking to you soon.